Jitaitom sa for kawaha, at fum tour for kawalu huatu au namu naur. Welcome to Con Langery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. And uh, with me down the road a ways is William Annis. Hello. And over in Maine, we have Mike Lentine. Hello. And we have a special guest, a special guest joining us today, uh, Dennis Musco- Moskowitz. Is that right? Yep. Hello. That's right, Moskowitz. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you're in uh, Massachusetts. Yes, in Somerville. Okay, so uh, we have Dennis on today because we're going to talk to about his uh, language known as Rikchik. Um, it's a it's um, something we don't do very often a a uh, an alien language and on top of that like an alien sign language. But uh, I'll Dennis, I'll, I'll just let you sort of ha- start off on this and. Uh, Exactly. So, what got got you into conlanging, and also um, sort of what started your idea of Rikchik? It's kind of the reverse, actually. The uh, I started drawing these aliens when I was very young. I'm not sure what exactly, and they were these big, uh, like a green sphere with a big eye in it, standing on a whole lot of tentacles um, that would actually be used as support as opposed to like something floating where a tentacle is just kind of an arm um, and played with these, this idea for a while. And then in college at some point thinking, well, these things don't have ears. Uh, maybe they don't actually have a, maybe they can't actually hear. Well, in that case, what would their language be like? And from there, I'm like, well, I can start coming up with a language. That sounds like an interesting idea. And I mean, I knew that there, I, I picked up some, Esperanto, so I, I knew that people did make languages, but I didn't, wasn't really connected to the entire kind of conlang scene until some point after I had been doing this for a little bit, and then I'm like, oh, there are other people who do this. This is interesting. Um, that was in like the uh, mid '90s, I guess, um, and that's pretty much it. Have you ever created a standard conlang by which I mean, you know, pronounced with a mouth meant to be heard by human <laughs> beings? Um, I've done, uh, like nothing, nothing that I would deign to call a conlang as such. Um, once for a, uh, a puzzle, actually, uh, I created a language that was just the math terms of a conlang. The, uh, the idea that being that as part of the puzzle, you would figure out you were given a number of question and answers in the conlang itself, and you could deduce from that, well, this is the... This is how the numbers work, and this is the elision rules, and these various the, the verbs of adding and et cetera. And uh, the main issue, the main thing I remember to come up with that is that it, we needed the word semitonal to turn into a number of some sort to make the uh, puzzle structure work. So wow. that is as much real conlanging as I've done, or not real conlanging, uh, more human-like conlanging as I've done, I'd say. Okay, well, that explains one thing. Uh, so I'm going to warn our listeners now that um, an important feature of a Rikchik utterance is something that you call aspect, and it doesn't mean anything at all like what most of us expect aspect to mean. It has nothing to do with verb. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the terms in Rikchik are particularly poorly chosen. I uh, picked them, but then I re- learned more about kind of like, oh, that's not an agent or a patient at all. Oh, well, right. it's stuck now. <laughs> yeah yeah well that that kind of thing happens and um to some extent this a- language is alien enough not just from the fact that it's spoken by these um strange creatures but the also the fact that it really is very different in structure um that you know a certain amount of non-standard uh terminology is going to happen but yeah where you have 
sort of co- collisions, you end up with some uh, issues. Um, so, yeah. I'm curious, how much did Rick Chick change after you encountered other conlangers and other just sort of the conlanging hobby in general? Um, well, it grew, uh, let's see, it did change a bit, um, partly just because I was continually playing with it. Um, but uh, um, one example is I was thinking about, well, how do verbs actually work? And um, I was thinking, well, the uh, how uh, a rich sentence works is that a any word it marks on that word, how it is connected to whatever larger structure collects it as with the term that I use. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we have the man eats, uh, the, the classic, uh, man eats fish, fish eats man, uh, bit from the, uh, T.J. Pronto, uh, lesson where man is marked as agent and fish is marked as, uh, patient. Man is eating the fish. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm like, oh, well, that's all well and good. But then as I came up with the things like, um, the, uh, Say the rickchick moves the rock, but you can also just have the rickchick moves. And really, in that case, whether the the important thing is that something is moving, and the fact that and it being and something else pushing along, causing it to move is kind of a separate issue. So really, in the case of the rickchick move, the rickchick moves, rickchick needs to be the patient in that case. Which and then you're saying, oh, I see. This is the uh, ergative uh, system that is so beloved. Of conlangers, but like, well, and so encountering that among conlangers kind of let me say, oh, I could do that, and that makes so much sense in this situation. So that's one oh. example where. Oh, so you just sort of stumbled across things like ergativity. Well, yeah, but having but having seen it with, but I didn't hadn't really thought that hard about how the various uh, roles of a verb work until after I'd uh, come up with uh, after I'd experience had experience in the conlang world and mm-hmm. at that point i could recognize oh i see where i'm going here this is ergativity mm-hmm. that was exactly the issue i was thinking about i'm looking like oh it's ergative how long has it been that way <laughs> yeah <laughs> um since after it was named the, the rules were agent and patient but uh but for a while actually yeah um now um this is going to be a little bit difficult to describe in audio, but if, if you can, right, I, um, I I just have some questions about uh, the phonology and phonetics, and um, uh, just just as a note to stop the emails, those are the correct terms to use with sign languages. You just use the same term, um, uh, but the the phonology and then your notation, your transcription of uh, how these work. I'm not exactly so you're my understanding. So the Rick chick use nine of their tentacles, which seven. are dedicated to uh, language production. Right. Seven of their tentacles are language dedicated. And there are also their uh, fine manipulation tentacles. So they can't uh, equivalent phrase to don't eat with your, don't talk with your mouth full is, don't talk with your hands full. Uh-huh. <laughs> it could, if you're holding, like, I'm just holding a bag, that could be any of your, any of the other 42 tentacles. But if you are typing or writing or, like, unlocking something, those are the same fine manipulation tentacles that are used for language production. Oh, so I'm, I'm guessing these tentacles are, are adapted for fine manipulation, and that also ha- happens to lend itself to language. Exactly. That's exactly how it okay. works. Okay. Now, for your notation, I'm seeing, like, I, I kind of see how these different lines are maybe sort of pictures of the sign, but mm-hmm. it's like I'm not exactly sure about, like, what is what is this circle that I'm seeing? Is that, like, curled up or what? It is a it is a language. It is a basically a, cur- a curled-up tentacle. Uh, okay. So if you've curled in the plane of in kind of the language plane. Okay. Uh, All right. So these are not gestures; these are postures. These are postures. Yes. You yeah, make a posture. You make, make a pose. You move to the next pose. You move to the next pose. It doesn't have the motion that uh, say uh, most human sign languages do. Of I'm going to point over there, or I'm going to move my hand from like my head down to my chin, and that has a particular meaning. Right. Okay. 
Okay. So it's just, it's just making a, and so, um, I'm, I'm assuming like if I'm looking at these pictures, knowing now what the circle means, it seems like I can get it if I imagine like this being a picture of like in front of the rich chick's face or something. Right. Well, it's slightly below, so you can still see the eye. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, if you look at on my website, there is, where is that? Um, I have a physiology page, which I think is just Richick slash physiology. Okay, so it's below. Oh, man, that's this. It's gonna it's gonna be really difficult for humans to learn how to decipher this language because you've got to visually take those language tentacles out from the mass of support tentacles. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but they, I mean, they are, they are slightly lighter. They like, they, they fade to white at the end. So mm-hmm. they do stand out a little bit. But yeah, this was incredibly difficult language for humans to, like, understand, certainly like at speed. As a written language, it's doable. Okay. Uh, so I'm just sitting here thinking, you've written these, like, interesting computer programs to allow you to describe the morphemes, mm-hmm. to draw them. And I'm just thinking that you need to go into Second Life or some virtual world and build a Rick Chick and program the tentacles to move to talk. That would be really <laughs> interesting. I think it might. I think human beings might be a little creeped out by tentacles doing that. They, 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 they quite possibly would be. There, there have already been some issues with saying, "Oh, I have this. I have, I'm interested in. I have these aliens I made up." And then you say tentacles, they're like, "Oh, tentacle aliens, run." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People, for some oh, reason, what every, I, could, I, what, could I just stop to appreciate the magnificence of oh, tentacle aliens run? Right, right. <laughs> no, I, I have to say, there's for some reason, so many people find something like inherently creepy or 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 Unpalatable. wrong about tentacle. Yeah, tentacles. I mean, the, there's there's, I mean, even, I, for a while, I even I. Is really like freaked out by octopuses in person. Um, yeah, they are. They're. You look at a dog and you're like, well, that's. It has bones. That has like four legs. It, I can more or less understand what's going on there. You look at an insect. Well, it's got the wrong number of legs and it's still kind of creepy, but they're legs at least. Tentacles are just so unlike pretty much anything we have, anything humans have beyond tongues. Yeah. And so, and and that's tongues are already creep, pretty creepy as they are. <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah, you look at you look at like Cassilian mythos and all that stuff, yeah, and it's all it's all tentacles. tentacles are evil or right. or weird. But anyway, going coming back to the rich chicks, and I also would suggest maybe not necessarily going into Second Life, but building a three D model of a rich chick and seeing if you can get all the yeah the actual animation happening. Yeah, uh, that, brother, that might be a huge project if you if you don't already know something about that sort of style of programming. But it just the idea occurred to me; it might be interesting to see. Yeah, going from uh, word to word to word would look sort of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, my brother actually at one point did create a Java program that would do animated, just the actual words animated. So you just see the black the black lines moving around mm-hmm. from word to word, which you know it's pretty interesting on its own. Uh, I don't know if that's visible anywhere online at this point. But Mike, did you have any specific questions about the that you would want to bring up? Well, um, do they, is this is there any sort of orthography? Is this what's written in orthography, or is this more of a description from an outsider's point of view? Um, it's it's both. I mean, the Rickchick language that you see is the um, is the is their written language as well, um, mm-hmm. and the um, the description is like a human describing this language um, and the kind of ASCII form where it says like home dash R dash and dash zero or something like that. That's obviously the human yeah. treatment of it. So I, have can, to, I have to ask, this is going to be really unfair to, to our listeners, but um, your Skype avatar has a bunch of crazy <laughs> lines. Is that like an artistic rendering of a rich chick or something? No, that's just my initials. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, it's but uh, you can see that my thought that rich chick kind of fits in with my general artistic style of. I was just saying know, the there's a similar lines. aesthetic sense there. Definitely, definitely. There's no question about yeah. that. 
Uh, that's 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 um, interesting. So maybe we can go a little bit into how the language is structured. Oh, it seems. I, uh, oh, Mike. Yeah, but I had another question. I don't think we. Please. Oh no, I was just gonna say like uh, the first question was about the orthography. Maybe this is right where we were gonna be ending going anyways. But um, the, with the morphemes, do they make like compound words? Like Chinese would take two different characters, put them together to make more complex ideas. Um, generally not. Usually, the there is kind of standard set of morphemes. In in Chinese, uh, you have the advantage of not having a limited set of strokes. So mm-hmm. you can say, well, I'm going to draw a sun. That's one thing, and I'm going to draw a moon, and that's another thing. And hey, I can fit sun and moon together, and by squeezing them slightly, and that's it's another character. But you in Rikchik, the closest you have is something like uh, the word for big. Um, and uh, big is that what I'm thinking of? Let me bring look at my dictionary real quick just to make sure I'm not looking at other things. No, I think actually I'm thinking of small. Um, yes. So the, the sorry, it's hard to keep your. And so the character small is basically half of the character for tree and then a small circle and line next to it that's about half the size of the tree. And so the tree symbol basically is saying trees, trees of this big bushy part on top and then they spiral down underneath because that's what trees look like. Um, and then the small world, small word is basically saying, well, one of those trees and then arictic next to it is kind of small in comparison. Mm, okay. Okay. Um, but you can't. That that has limits, obviously, since you're limited to these exact exactly four tentacles or four strokes per morphine. You can't pile on like three dragons or whatever it is that you can do in, uh, I, right, in Chinese. I right, guess right, what I was right. saying more like in Chinese, you'll have one character for electric and then one character for brain. But when they're put together, and they don't mean electric brain, they mean computer. So right, right. If, well, that's just a, mm-hmm. that's just, in that case, it's just a compound word, and we yeah. certainly has that where you'll yeah. have. Uh, trying to think of a good example. Um, yeah, for electric, in fact, um, mm-hmm. a lot of the words, uh, there's a bunch of words based on dragon, um, dragon being a mythical creature, but that theoretically was the source of lightning. And so, mm-hmm. for instance, um, let me make sure I've got this right. Um, if you look at fire, you can say that dragon, dragon uh, sourced fire is, uh, oh, yes, we've got a picture already in the pipe here. Um, the fire from a dragon is lightning, and magic from a dragon is kind of similarly to that is electricity. Okay. Mm. Now, this this is something that interests me, because you've mentioned trees and you've mentioned dragons. Um, yes. Are these things that are, like, similar to um, what we would be... Obviously, dragons don't exist anywhere, but I mean, mm-hmm. like, is the tree, like... Something that's sort of vaguely tree-like that exists on their planet, or uh, right, right. I mean, these are all sort of translations, but the um, a tree is something very tree-like. Their their uh, their planet is un uh, improbably similar to ours in some ways. They have plants. The plants are green. Um, they have animals. Um, they mm-hmm. uh, they don't have birds. Um, they have some insects. Um, they do have some what they call skyfish, which are basically flying blimps, um, living mm. blimps. And the dragon, the mythical dragon, is a version of a skyfish that instead of being this, like, drifting thing that is, like, occasionally will pick up a tree and eat that, is some smaller thing with a horn on it that hides in storm clouds and comes down and eats, attacks. Um, oh, okay. So that's that's an interesting thing. Whenever... You- I, I just think of whenever I'm thinking of an alien conlang, mm-hmm. there's always this idea of do they the what words would they have for what animals and stuff? Because um, right. like and I I imagine this is harder for you with a sign language because with with uh, with when I created uh, Yeltach, I could just mm-hmm. make up a word for a. a um, a an animal that exists on Jed and borrow mm-hmm. that into English, but right, you obviously can't do that because there's no, it's not even physically possibly possible for you to produce these signs. So exactly. So for instance, uh, there's as I started coming up with kind of some uh, general um, kind of the general like evolutionary tree and what kind of animals they have there. I would say well. Before the Rick Chick, there was something that was, was kind of like a Rick Chick, but 
didn't have the same spherical look to it, but it was had the same number of tentacles and it also had one eye and is not intelligent, but is otherwise kind of similar. And that is, I kind of arbitrarily chose the word chimp to describe that thing. You know, it has nothing to do with <laughs> chimpanzee, but it kind of fits that same sort of role. Yeah. Um, where, does have the, some, where does the term Rick come from? That is just... I've always been calling them that. That like I think at one point they were Rick Chickers and then became Rick Chick. And I'm not entirely sure. I mean, at one point before I had really thought about what their language was like, they had there was kind of a, a language idea with with words like Rick Chick and Chick Rattle and uh, but I didn't do a whole lot of uh, development of. And I think it came from that. I think my kind of in universe justification for it a misunderstanding when humans first met them and they were walking on rocks and it sounded kind of like Rick Chick and but huh. the word is Rick Chick and but for not really for any good reason at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, mean... I, I noticed in your morpheme dictionary that there's a character for ninja yes so I have to go back a little bit the reason, one of the reasons that I have a, a word for dragon is that I felt the need to uh, I was like well I have these Rick Chicks and it'd be interesting because they like any other, uh, um, like humans are currently, you know, almost spacefaring, technologically advanced uh, creatures. But we had this kind of mythical past. We like played Dungeons and Dragons or whatever, and uh, and like, well, Rick should have also kind of this mythical past. And that's when I came up with this idea of uh, dragons and ninjas. And I actually had a couple of people uh, that I had to play uh, two sessions of a role-playing game where they were Rick Chicks in kind of this mythical Rick Chick past. Um, <laughs> so the word ninja came from, uh, the fact that I have the word ninja is also uh, why there were this, there were these ninjas as part of the plot of one of the games. But also there is a um, science fiction comic book called Godot by Phil Folio, um, classic from 80s and 90s, I guess. And one of the things that... Uh, that he says in there is like there's this paradox that somehow across all the alien cultures that humanity has met, everyone has had something that can be more or less described as a ninja. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes oh, they're yeah. mysterious, and sometimes they're extinct. And it is, uh, I think if you search for ninja paradox, uh, Phil Folio, you can probably find this. Like, well, I went in on that, sure. And so ninjas are these mythical hiding warriors that would like vanish into the grass and could camouflage and uh, possibly turn into smoke, according to one of my players. Hmm, like, okay. the, the, the ninja vanishes, there's a puff of smoke, it runs away, and they're like, the ninja turned into smoke. I'm like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take that this was sort of a rules-light game. It was pretty rules-light. I mean, theoretically, it was GURPS, but we were we <laughs> pretty uh, pretty lightly. Oh, hmm. That's 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 interesting. Um so let's let's sort of I did that that was an interesting tangent. It's in, interesting that you chose to actually call the the uh the sign the uh the morpheme ninja rather than just like assassin or something. But Right, uh, right. I think it's explicitly referring to this particular group. Right? Yeah. I imagine with all those tentacles that you can have lots of opportunities for really crazy martial arts. I think so. I, I, haven't, I haven't fully developed that, but that has been, I think, one of before I had the language, I had this idea of really impressive tentacle martial arts. <laughs> I think that, I think with tentacle martial arts, you'd get a lot of grappling. There, you would expect a lot of grappling, yeah. Yeah, not you can't you can't really apply a lot of force behind a tentacle, so you kind of have just have just grab stuff. <laughs> well, maybe um, not. Have you that. never have, have a, you never been punched by an octopus? Um, no, <laughs> I don't think they punch things. <laughs> Sorry, Dennis, you were saying. Oh, I, I was just saying. Well, one one tentacle maybe not, but maybe like multiple tentacles together could do some damage. Oh uh, yeah, maybe. But um, <laughs> so anyway, moving back to the language. Back language, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, for lack of a better term, the morphology of Rick Chick in general interests me. So there's basically it's it's very sort of um procedural and stuff. There's so there's four components, right? To right. every um well you have a 
a the central morpheme, which is really, it's it's the there's it, you really have like a unit of four morphemes, but the, there's the central morpheme that carries basic meaning, which right. we were just talking about. You have one for dragon, which is not really a dragon; it's something else. It's you yeah. have one for ninja. You have you have uh, one I see here for dead. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, which, no, no, no. Is there one for dead? Or are you interpreting? Totally. There's one. Well, there's one named dead. Okay, that is totally correct. Okay, but um, in addition to so with that, there's sort of a, a little bit of sort of spatial morphology going on. With you have sort of four tentacles, right, that do that, and then three more tentacles. Am I right? That yes. Do um. The aspect, the relation, and the collector. Can you sort of run yeah, me, through those and, and let tell me us? sort those out? So the let's actually go backwards. Um, the collector is what lets the um, actually no, let's go forwards. Um, the aspect kind of dis, uh, disambiguates the morpheme into kind of some submorphemes. So which lets me reuse these uh, what I'm calling morphemes. Um, if you have a better word for them, please let me know. Um, but the uh, for instance, dead uh, if. You use it in the verb, what I'm calling a verb, and it's not really a verb, but the verb aspect says this is actually to die, to kill. Um, if you can use it as, uh, to stop doing like, oh, I died talking to these people, or talking to these people died, meaning I stopped talking to these people. Um, so it's got a grammatical form in there. Um, you can use it as, uh, but you can also say, I think you can use a, a modifier form. It would mean that dead thing. Um, okay. There, there's Rick Chick and modified with dead, dead M, dead modifier, then it's a dead Rick Chick. But then you can also have it in the place uh, aspect. And at that point, it means north. It has nothing to do with being dead. It's just dead with, with the, in the north aspect means dead, sorry, dead with the place aspect means north. And, say, and why, north did you, why north. did you do that? Why, why is north do, dead? That is, uh, I thought, well, it'd be interesting. Uh, I think south is god or something like that and i thought well, it will be interesting for the dead to go to the north and the like gods live in the south i thought that would be an interesting um hmm. uh, and then the word for, uh, the word for i in the location aspect means west right that is based on kind of uh, i believe sun is east and so the sun is coming up in the east and the sun's coming up in the east well you can't put your eye in the east you'll see the sun look west um hmm. um so you know, it's all kind of like as I come up with stuff, it's in the usual ad hoc conlangery sort of way, um, conlangy sort of way. It's nothing to do with your podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, and then uh, like a number of the color words, I don't have any. There's no single word for that just means black all the time or something like that. They're all based on the modifier aspect of various other words. Uh, it keeps me from having to come up with quite as many symbols and uh, provide some kind of interest to the, the, the language. Right. So that's one tentacle. One down, two to go. Um, the relation to the tentacle, the one above, um, says how this word connects to another word. So it's more or less kind of a case system, you might say, or a prepositional or something. It's alien. So that's where I could say, you know, the fish, that's where we have the agent, the patient, um, and this uh, actually ergative system. Um, also things like quality and instruments, includes, um, and then all of those have reciprocals. So you can say, you can move the sentence around if you want to say, well, the fish that was eaten by the man is this particular, and then you say something else about that fish. Um, that you do that by putting the reciprocal of so the fish would normally be the patient, and so you put the patient reciprocal on eat, and it just moves forward from there. Wait a minute. Are yep. you, are you, are, do you mean you're making a sentence that means the fish and the man were eating each other? No, 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 no. This is the, uh, so you take sentence and say, the fish ate the man, and that's, sorry, the, the man ate the fish, let's say. And in that case, the man is the agent, the fish is the patient, and eating is collecting both of those, which we'll get to in a second. But if you want to say, the fish that the man ate, then you go on to say something like, was bad, was green, uh, was cursed, whatever, then you would need to say, the man, still the agent of eat. Now eat 
is now the patient reciprocal of the fish because the fish will be collecting heat in this kind of tree structure. Oh, oh, okay. okay. So it's sort of a weird cross between like a relativizer and switch reference thingy. Oh, that's Um, interesting. (laughs) Basically, I make sure I had my all my options for putting these sentences together, and then the uh, collector is simply more or less a number, Um, basically saying how many other things on what's basically a stack are collected by this. So in that case, uh, when the fish, you say man. It collects zero, fish collects zero, eat collects two, or man collects zero, eat collects one, just the man, and then fish collects one, which is eat, which is already collected the man. And you're just kind of building this structure of what... Interesting. Hmm. Okay. So does does word order ever matter at all in in Ritchick? Not very much. Um Probably for emphasis or for like uh, poetry. Uh, my brother has done some uh, played with Richick poetry a little bit and figure out like like oh you have like different tree structures and that would mean different things. Um, oh, that's uh, cool. But basically, the the word order, all the like actual denotation in the sentence is pretty much entirely in the structure that's yeah. done by the. So if you whatever put the, the two things, if you're collecting two things. Whatever order those things are in doesn't really matter all that much. You know, modular perennials or whatever. Um, I hope you guys are not hearing that laughing. Just a little bit. It's all right. Uh, (laughs) um, I'm I'm, uh, sort of interested. um, uh, You mentioned poetry. I I kind of thought about because um, I never developed a language, but I did think of making i was making a uh a uh a an alien race that a species that used only sign language and i thought of you know their equivalent to singing would would probably be something like a dance and i had the whole idea of they they would have like ballets and such so right did you have any ideas about that you know and other sort of language-based art forms for Rickchick? Well, I know that they definitely there's definitely some form of poetry, and there, people have played with that a little bit. Um, mostly, my brother is a uh, one of the other things. He does a lot of stuff with Rickchick, just as kind of being near me to do this, but also is a Latin poet. Um, and so thinks about things like, uh, well, how is our, how could you do a, like a foot structure in Rickchick? And the way, the best he could come up with was, basically having alternating, say, for instance, iambic, an iambic line, which is alternating stressed and unstressed in uh, uh, human language, is alternating uh, leaves in the node, basically something that doesn't collect anything, a zero collector, and something that does collect something. And he actually managed to write a whole sonnet based on that idea, which is kind of Wow. Impressive. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Uh, yeah, someone... I I'd, I'd like to find someone uh, somewhere a good um, analysis of. I'm sure there's like um, poetry in sign languages. I'd like Probably. to see sort of oh, what yeah, kind definitely. of structures that happen, happen. Yeah, definitely. There's there's poetry in sign language, and like there's a. It's a very, you know, well, of course, ASL versus uh, sign exact English, but um, on. Uh, on YouTube, there are a lot of videos, and sometimes would, they have... I would be interested in ASL poetry and see if they have different structures and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, YouTube has a bunch, so... I don't know about analyses, <laughs> but... Look, look that up. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot more of um, what I've seen is it's... You know, ASL is a very expressive language, and the facial expressions almost serve, like... I don't want to say a grammatical purpose, but they do okay. contribute more than just... Uh, I'm sorry, what... I was just saying, yeah, I think they are grammatical, or mm-hmm. at least there's a few There's a few grammaticalized uh, facial expressions, but mm-hmm. um, uh, getting back, I would think for Rick Chick poetry, and you probably would have different forms of it anyway, mm-hmm. but I would think you would base it on the form of the morpheme, maybe like how many of each um, each sort of uh, sign type you have since you have this you, you, have, you have stumbled on it exactly actually when my, my brother wrote this uh, this 
sonnet, he wanted to do rhyme. Well, what does rhyme mean? And the, basically, the idea that we came up with is that it's based on which uh, kind of symbol are inside it. So, for instance, uh, leader, the symbol, the word for leader is a large circle and then three small circles above it. That's a four-circle word. So it rhymes with home, which is four larger circles in a diamond shape. Um, in the, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. In sign language, I know there are some, uh, I guess, poetry where it's a whole story that's told, but you the hand shapes follow the alphabet sequence. So oh, interesting. It doesn't really translate to spoken language, but like you start out with the letter A hand shape, and then a B hand shape, and a C, and there's a oh, whole... Like yeah. What else yeah. you're doing with the hand shape means is turning it into actual phrase. That's interesting. Kind of almost like an acrostic, but but different medium. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. That's, that's, yeah, I, I mean, we could, we could, we could, you know, talk here and come up with a whole bunch of different ways to, to structure sign language poetry. But that's, um, I think the important thing is that any any uh, language that you have intelligent people speaking, they're intelligent creatures of any kind speaking, they're going to be playing with the language and coming up with limitations and uh, um, ex- explorations and ways to do with it, whether it's uh, human sign language or all the things we speak in put all the many other human languages or rich chicks, they'll come up with limitations like, Oh, can I write something like this? Oh, well, when I, when I do that, what artistic effect does that have? And I mean, that's where mm-hmm. that sort of thing comes from. Yeah. Um, do you have anything more we want to say about poetry? Uh, no, I think we sh- we should sort of move on. <laughs> so, so one thing that I liked about the aspects Mm-hmm. was that you, in some sense, this is a little bit, it's very regular, right? You have right, right. the little circly guide is for animates, and the <laughs> intersection sign is animate class, and the little stick is place class, that you right. got multiple uses out of the name aspect. Yes, yes. I mean, the name aspect in a general case is, this is something, and it's not doing what it normally would do. It's just kind of part of the word in some way. And so you, the the two big things that happen with it are as part of actual names um, for hmm. people or things, and as well as part of compound words. So that's the way that you say that this isn't just actual lightning coming from a dragon. We're talking about the lightning that is called from a dragon, which is just a compound word meaning, uh, sorry, this isn't actual fire coming from a dragon. It's the fire is called from a dragon, which means it's just the word for electricity. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really cool. So that's what I've done with the this name aspect of just mm-hmm. like, this will get me, I just have this set aside this one aspect, and then I can do compound words, I can do names, and just all that. Right. right. Did you um, work out anything about how Richick personal names actually work, other yeah. than the fact that they use that? Okay. Yeah, there's a whole... Uh, Let's see. There's a page, uh, language name.html, that actually gives like the five usual parts of a Richtig name. Consider that these are, uh, they'll have a personal name, they'll have a parent name. Yes, there's a URL there. Um, there's the name of their personal family, the name of the family that they grew up in, and then possibly a city that they're from. And that's all part of a theoretical, long, long, complicated name, which they won't constantly say, oh, I am. You know, Skywatcher yeah. of House of Bach. Sorry, let us say, oh, Skywatcher. Nice to meet you. But yeah, I I would presume that that the that of obviously they would have um, different. Uh, what 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 am I saying? Uh, they would have different um, different levels of you know. For some people, you just use the personal name, and then some people right exactly exactly some context. You use the full name, maybe in very formal context at least. Right. Okay. Right. So and that actually seems to give a whole lot of sort of cultural or um or possibly biologically related information because Right, right. That's blind because, blind. You know, obviously you have parents name and a raising home name, so obviously very many Rick chicks are raised by someone other than their parents. Uh, that's not quite what's going on there. Parents' right. name is the actual uh, is the name of a rich uh, parent. Well, 
back up a moment. So the, uh, an important thing to keep in mind with this is that Rick chicks aren't gendered. And yeah. so any Rick chick can be a, what, what they do as a parent or a contributor. And so often you'll have, say, a family of, say, four Rick chicks. And, uh, there's, say, they have, uh, three children and each with a different parent with all with, uh, and probably most of the other Rick chicks there as, as contributors, but that family that they're part of is all part of that home. There, that is the home that they are raised by. Um, oh, okay. So it is it basically everyone. Uh, you have you you keep your parents' last name. The last name is just of the the, the that family name, and then you ha- you get your own family name, personal family name, until you are part of another family. Okay. Wow. It's a complicated family structure. Well, yeah. <laughs> Who takes out the trash? <laughs> <laughs> the kids do. The kids always do. The kids do. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I mean, I'm sure they think ours is complicated. Like, wait, you mean it's like your your say your family name is Moskowitz, and then there's this other family that you're not even connected. You're you don't even live at the same place, and they're still Moskowitz. That's the same Moskowitz, and they're that that's your parents in a completely different city. How's that the same family? That doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> um, um, one thing, just um, looking here at the collector. Mm-hmm. So the collector can only can the collector goes up to seven, and then there's an S. Yep. Um, which you call that an archaic scholastic collector. Yeah. Um, how exactly? So. Is it, is it, this seems like a departure from what human languages do, because it looks like because of this, a, uh, it's, it's like, um, a, a, a phrase can only take a certain number of adjuncts. Basically, yeah. I mean, you'll have, you'd have to, uh, like use, uh, gather, which is with and or something like that, um, mm-hmm. to join on other pieces or use this, uh, sort of pseudo pronoun system to say, I'm talking about this Rick chick and the Rick chick is, you know, old and big and, you know, hungry and other things. Well, that's enough about that Rick chick. And the same Rick chick that I was just talking about, well, that Rick chick is also, you know, tired and well-dressed and et cetera. Uh-huh. And so that, yeah, the language itself complicates things like that. Often, uh, occasionally I will try to, I, I have a, uh, Live journal where I, where I will occasionally try to post in Rick Chick. And when I'm writing about something uh, longish, like at one point I was uh, describing the solar system, and there's more than seven things in the solar system. And so I had to say, well, these things, and also these these things, these planets, and also these other planets are all part of this thing. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. It's, it seems like it wouldn't cause any problem with problems with recursion, but it just causes problems with like long lists of modifiers exactly. or whatever. Okay. Right. You can't just keep adding commas because the structure, you have to specify the structure. I mean, in practice, I'm sure it's, it, it's, I don't think it's that much of an issue. It's in the rhetoric that I have to, to write and just work around it. And I guess it keeps you from having these incredibly long lists and you forget what the heck you were talking about by the time you get to the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, Human languages have their limitations of embedding level right. and all that too, so this doesn't surprise me that. Yeah, the embedding is un, un, unconstrained, but the listing is constrained. Infinite depth, limited breadth. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's uh, in human languages, there's like there's not really technical limits to things, but um, for, to some extent, embedding can have practical limits. Just because, oh, George. Right. George, what? George, George, you've been hanging about with <laughs> linguists and theorists already. Of course there's a limit. Well, the, there's a practical limit. That which is limit. which is the technical limit. Okay, okay. anyway, we can argue oh, about fine. this later. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is what hanging out with theorists gets you. Anyway. All right. Yeah. Oh. So uh, I just picked a few random... I don't know what to call these words, morphemes, things in your dictionary. Sure. Probably which I thought was, I just thought was interesting how you, by using these different aspects, were able to produce different meanings. 
Which which ones are you particularly looking at? I can follow along with you here. Well, I'm uh, I've got a few here. Uh, one I've got is gather. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting that you use that to translate and. And right. since this is relevant, we have the word tentacle, which as a uh, yeah. verb yeah. means to touch or point at something. Right. Um, I forget what the the I aspect means. Um, idea. Sort of. The idea. So that's a unit of length. Hmm. Um, you have the inanimate class, where it refers to something like a leaf or an outcropping. I just thought, I mean, it's not quite a classifier system, but it's just an interesting way to drag. Well, the, the reason that leaf, leaf and outcropping are there, so I can say things like, I want to describe the tree's undescribable leaf, or a horn, or if I'm trying to talk about uh, something in human existence, I want to do a finger or something like that. I don't have to say, uh, okay, let me come up with a word for leaf. Like, no, I've got a word. I've got trees. Trees have tentacles. That's how restricts think about them. The tree's tentacle is, is a leaf or a branch or a thorn, and deal with it from there. Okay. okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's just nice to see yeah. th- that as a, as a vocabulary-generating tool. And sometimes right. they're kind of – I mean, to me, they're a little bit surprising. Um, right. So, for example, <laughs> uh, the element in the dictionary for sleep for the location or – uh, yes, the place class. Mm-hmm. The word for sleep means nowhere, right? Mm. Or in or in no particular or like staying still. Okay. The, uh, part of the reason that that's there is that uh, um, yeah, that's, that's a direction. Like I'm not going anywhere. Uh, part of the reason that there is that early on, I came up with this idea of that rickshaws have sevens, like humans have fives. Uh huh. Um, that they are very based and like oh, of course everything's in sevens. What? Well, Seven is just a natural number to have everything in. Why, why wouldn't it be seven? There's, like we th- we say, oh well, there's you know there's five senses. We just, oh, pain is not a sense, um, or uh, you know, like pentatonic scale. They was like, of right. course that's going to be five. Um, and so rickshaws have will kind of go out of the way and make sure there are seven of something. And so they're so they're, of course there are seven directions. There's north, south, east, west, up, down, and not going anywhere. Oh. Got it. <laughs> so that, that's, that's why sleep had to be there, to make sure that I had a seventh direction of not any direction at all. Okay. Okay. And sleep was chosen. I just like the, the match of sleep to place means going nowhere at all. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. Okay. Um, another one that I like, and um, so for the other guys, I'll dump this list of the helping verbs, is the use of the notion of child to mark inception, to mark starting to do something. Right. Um, I knew I definitely wanted to have, as I started doing this more, like, I don't want to, I, I, I need to have some way to do these sort of things where I can say, well, I want to stop doing this. I want to be able to do something. I want to start doing something. And I don't want, like, heaven forbid, more aspects or something like that. Um, yeah. I have words, let's use those words as, so there's examples of uh, I'm eating and then uh, no, I give I give birth to eating, which is I start eating. Okay. Uh, hmm. Or I kill I kill being happy. I stop being happy. So <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of, I guess, the equivalent of hand shapes now that I'm looking at more of these morphemes. Um, mm-hmm. Is there like a specific set of hand shapes? That there are, use? just to, to make my life easier. Um, I don't know if that list is on the site anywhere. It's uh, um, At one point, I was like drawing all these individually, and at this point, there's an XML file that says, okay, the word child is a circle here, a circle here, a circle here, and a line here. Or want is a circle here, a squiggle from this point to this point, a elliptical curve from here to here, and a small circle here. And so okay. I think there are 11-ish of those. Um, okay. These hook hooks steps, various things like that. Because I, I started out thinking, uh, wondering if there was some way to calculate a hard limit on how many morphemes you can have, but it seems <laughs> like there are enough shapes and then enough possible sort of orientations of those shapes that you can't really calculate it that way. We, it's, it's sort I'm, of I'm sure there is there's, there's definitely some sort of uh, 
practical limit um, or where uh, you could say, well, there's, there are these four lines, these four lines, the top one is slightly lower or something like that. But well, yeah. I think I'm unlikely to hit uh, any such limit anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, technically there's there's infinite variation you could have, but there's there's a point where Rick would not be able to distinguish it even with their one giant eye. But, <laughs> but I mean, it seems like you have enough different orientations that there's not really, um, there's not really any like given pattern that they have to follow or anything. So you, you have right. a lot of freedom right. there. I so that. I noticed that the basic morpheme for chaos looks like the Rick mm-hmm. character upside down. That's exactly right. Is that on purpose? That's all totally on purpose. Yeah, that's how like things are crazy. Rick sticks up to down. Dogs and cats together. Um, Dogs and cats. All right. <laughs> the, sorry, the Ghostbusters. Anyway, um, yeah, that's exactly it. The, the like, well, how do I describe this sort of chaos, uh, chaotic state? Oh well, let's let's just have the standard thing of a Rick and put it upside down. Okay. It makes uh, it makes chaotic. Rick could be kind of an interesting word as well because it kind of looks almost uh, um, palindromic. Oh, yeah. What an interesting idea. Cool. Anyway. um, Yes. Is there anything else? I mean, is... uh, George, do you have more questions or... No, not really. It's it's really a uh, a big line... uh, The thing is, like... I I haven't really looked at the materials beforehand, but I think we've gone over quite a bit of stuff. Um, do you guys have more questions about this? Uh, I'm I think we've covered a lot. I mean, I, I think it's a very very fertile area, and it's very you know there's a a lot of very interesting things that you you have done, and that a lot of interesting areas you can go into with this. Um, I love the way that the writing looks, and I think that's very very nifty, and you've really expounded on some of the different features and facets that you can get with this kind of language. So has mm-hmm. anyone other than you and your brother made an effort to really use this language? There have been a few people, actually um, people uh, there was um, a number of my friend, nearby friends who are particularly interested in puzzles or in languages. Um, I have one friend who is both a uh, linguistic student and very into puzzles. He has picked up enough of it that when I say, post a number of, um, say, song lyrics or something on uh, my live journal, Ellen Chick, he's like, well, let me see. I can figure some of this out. Oh, I see what's going on here. Um, a few people who have uh, attempted to actually write, do some writing back and forth. Um, so not a lot of people, obviously. Um, I don't think there is certainly no, no one more than my brother and I are definitely the most, most fluent speakers and we're not anything like uh, fluent or anything like that. But I think that a there are, that's how we say, seven-ish people who could more or less make sense of a Rickchick uh, phrase uh, if if called upon to do so. Uh huh. Seven's a good number. Seven's a good number. Yeah. Uh, has there anything? Is there anything that is remarkable or notable about the language that we haven't talked about yet that you think deserves mentioning? Um, to me, I feel like it's not as notable as it could be. The to, uh, because there's much that you have to do kind of just to get to kind of this basic step, I feel like there's a lot of things that either aren't in Rickchick or that I don't know how to do in Rickchick yet. Um, that say, if I was writing a human language, like, like, oh, well, I need a, or even a, a spoken language, I can say, well, I need some way to, I don't know, make a, uh, take some arbitrary language feature. Like, oh, well, I'll add fee to the beginning and that'll make it whatever that is. And uh-huh. I don't have, I don't have that. I don't have like, there's no easy way to say the opposite of something. For instance, I have like oh. separate words for big and small. Um, and, uh, there are a number of things that I'll be, uh, in general, I can pretty much get, if I want to say something, I'll make it work more or less, but I'm still, uh, I feel like it still has a long way to go. Okay. So I'm still going to uh, keep working on it. So how long has this language been around? Um, in, so it was the mid '90s, did you say that you first? Yeah, I would say I started. I first started coming up with morphemes, though I wasn't, wasn't calling them morphemes at that point. Um, uh, and as I was graduating college in 1995, mm-hmm. um, so it's been around. 
more or less since then. Uh, that got a real, uh, gave it a real push in 97 ish, 98. And have then it's been like gradually working on it off and on pretty much since then. Okay, cool. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I, I think that, that just about covers things then. Um, right. uh, I, I will mention that uh, you got the, I think, the 2012 Smiley, was it? I, the, I did get the 2012 Smiley. It was a big, a very, uh, a real honor. I yeah. met... Uh, this is... Oh. Sorry, should I go ahead? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, so this is David Peterson's uh, annual award that he gives to some language that made him smile this that year. And um, I had uh, met him at the... Um, Language Constructors Conference, uh, I think LCC3, the one that was in Rhode Island, because it was very convenient to go to. And uh, we had some good conversations there. He, had, he actually helped inspire this idea of the talking tentacles being better at fine manipulation. So, well, how, the, how would that evolve before you were talking? Like, ah, I see. I came up with something. Um, yeah. So, and so um, he contacted me uh earlier last year and said, I'm planning on giving Rishik the smiley. Uh, and I that is, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. And so, <laughs> yeah. uh, I did a announcement on my live journal again, uh, as well in Rick chick doing my best to say David Peterson gave, gave Rick chick the smiley for this year. Um, which it's always interesting to translate names because right. it's not like you can transliterate them. Um, and so I, rely a lot on either looking up meanings of names like you go back and like every name means gift from god or something like that <laughs> or <laughs> um True. or or using uh descriptions of various kinds um like my brother's name is mark and so when he when he refers to himself in rick or when i refer to him in rick chick um i use the word spot <laughs> just as a pun okay and so i think i think uh the uh, what i use for uh david was something like uh, the creator of the language spoken by people that ride uh, bouncers, which is the closest uh, Rikchik animal to a horse, uh, referring to <laughs> the Dothraki. <laughs> which I uh, ran by him and he thought that was fantastic. So. It is good. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, well, that's great. Um, I wanted to just pull out one thing that you said. So he gave you the idea that the, 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 um, the linguistic tentacles or whatever we're going to call them mm-hmm. um, would start out as start out as um, uh, fine manipulators. And I think that's actually a good point for anyone. It's a small portion of our audience, I'm sure, but anyone mm-hmm. trying to make aliens that, that have um, that, that use radically different, um, modes of speech is, you know, how did this evolve? Because, like, there's things about, you know, there's theories floating around about how human, the structures for human language evolved. Right. And and there's, like, some of them are a little bit uh, curious because, like, things like the position of our, our larynx, which is necessary for producing a lot of speech sounds clearly, is actually a disadvantage because it makes us prone to choking. So right. How to get there before we yeah. were speaking. Yeah. Right. Well, the point is, well, all it did was move. Yeah. It was already mm-hmm. there. And then it right. moved to accommodate language was, that was the evolutionary pressure there. So right, right. This, uh, the uh, point is you need everything more or less in place and maybe tweak it. Yeah. This, um, it reminds me of something that I was reading. I, th- it might've been on the Zompus, uh, language kit or whatever. Um, it mentioned that if you're u- using aliens, think about if they have articulators different from humans. And mm-hmm. like, if you have, for example, two tongues, maybe you could have two different articulations. Or if you have two different, um, you know, if, if they have like a blowhole or something, maybe they can articulate through that some fricative. This is interesting because it not being a, a sound-based language, but rather a tentacle-based language, it seems like this is a very interesting take on that where – not only do they have different things from hand, so they can't just articulate, but they have specialized ones that are designed for this just as much as speech articulators are designed in a speech-driven language. And it is exactly. Inter- and it is interesting, you know, the, the again, sort of the, the spatial morphology that you developed here where you have certain dedicated tentacles. And it would be interesting to me if you, if, uh, you or someone else took the Rick Chicks and also 
made another language that's right. spoken on their planet and see um what what similarities that that has and what differences it has right that was even at the uh at the language construction conference uh uh david peterson actually had that same discussion like what what else could these creatures speak not i mean this is how this is kind of the kind of the standard language the esperanto basically of three chicks and how do what other languages could be out there using the same biology but not the same structure and that's mm-hmm. an interesting question that I'm not going to answer anytime soon, but if anyone else wants to, please go ahead. Well, I mean, and then my question is, what happened if there's a horrible accident and you lose one or two of your tentacles? That does, I, mean, I think I, I decided that they can regrow them slowly, but you would definitely have some sort of speech impediment for a while. It's okay. like, well, good, do your best. And, you know, th- did you just say, was that home or child? They're, Other uh, prosthetics? Context. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I mean humans humans can have problems with losing teeth and stuff so or it's not it's not yeah i don't i don't think of that as that much of a deal breaker or anything but but it's interesting to think about given this different biology how would that how would that affect it differently yeah um so i think we can wrap up the show um we have no feedback today. I looked in the email and there was no uh, email for me to read. So conlanger at gmail.com is where you send that. <laughs> I have another quick question about something that you put in there. Oh, okay. um, if, if, well, um, on the side of if, if they were to have some accident where they lost their speech tentacles, could the other tentacles in you know a time of need or something, could they be used as makeshift speech tentacles or what, could they adapt maybe? That could be another uh, way they could make do. I'd say with difficulty, it'd be like, yeah. you know, speaking sign language with your foot. It's <laughs> theoretical pause for some gestures. It's probably doable, but not mm-hmm. something you'd want to do for a long time. Hmm. Uh, oh, I was just, that's interesting. All the different areas you can go with that. Cause it's really, it's uh everything's free game for so long as you want to go with what you want. I would imagine right. that the other tentacles are a bit stiffer because yes. they're used for support. Maybe, there's like a hydrostatic skeleton in there or something. That was kind of my thought, yeah. Uh, okay. But um, anyway, now can we wrap yes. up? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Again, I don't have any feedback. Conlanger at gmail.com. That's where you send feedback. That's also where you send the uh, greetings for the top of the show. And... Uh, before we go, I'm going to Dennis. So every week, I ask these guys, and if we have a guest, I go to the guest first, and I ask, "What are your final words of wisdom?" So, what what final little tidbit would you would you give to all the people listening? Um, uh, I would say, uh, uh, am I going to do something this silly? Yes, be excellent to each other and party on. I know it's not conning related, but it is generally applicable please uh be nice to each other and enjoy yourselves (laughs) that's great all right william i can't possibly beat that (laughs) mike well uh that is that is very hard to beat and i'm I'm not maybe not going to try to beat that but maybe as a runner-up i'm going to pause you know go and do what do whatever you want to do so long as you're being awesome to each other and um you know as far as language goes it's really as far as you can imagine is what you can where you can go with it. Just find interesting things to do and uh, and I will also, you know, not only be awesome to each other. Well said. Alright then. Uh, and I will say awesome conlangery. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com. You can send questions, comments, or topic or featured language suggestions to conlangery at gmail.com. To submit a conlang or natlang greeting for the top of the show, see our contribute page for details. Web space for conlangery is provided by the Language Creation Society, and our theme music is by Null Device. I'm not sure what that would even mean. That's okay. (laughs)
you know, imagine you're David Peterson or Paul Fromer, and you've you know been hired to invent a language for a great movie. We just won't so, ask you. What, we won't. What, we won't have to ask you what a phoneme is. Oh, oh, oh! How do you make a squid laugh? You tentacle it. Uh, 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 um. Okay. No more of that. Um, <laughs> like a sign language for the show notes, or how would you do the show opener in Rickchick? Like, I mean, of course, it'd have to be written out and spoken by a Rickchick. Right, right. And the, it's a uh, what is the phrase you usually use? It's a uh, welcome. Uh, welcome to Con Langery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. The hardest part of that is definitely conlangery because what what is that? It's a collection of conlangs. It's the um, kind of general. My uh, the usual definition we use when we advise people because there are a lot of people who want to make um, uh, native terms for that. It's mm-hmm. uh, the art and practice of conlanging. So, like, just think of the art of conlanging, and then mm-hmm. how would you uh, uh, obviously conlanging. Right. You'd have to expand right. out to like uh, constructing that's, languages. That's doable, think, though. Think of the word basketry. I see. Yes, that makes perfect sense. I I remember um, Cy and Alex were talking about wanting to uh, create one in their gripping language mm-hmm. by creating like a guitar mode for it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which. That seems interesting. No, no, no. It must be a banjo mode for this show. <laughs> banjo <laughs> mode? Okay. So that I, if, if necessary, I'm able to articulate the message. Right, <laughs> the only articulator. 